You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Welcome back to Agency Highway. Today, I have Gina Hawkey on the line, and we are going to be talking about hiring VAs, when you should hire your first one, where you can find them, and a whole bunch of stuff. And This is a topic that I love, like I say, every goddamn week. I know I probably sound like a broken record, but uh, I mean, hiring a VA was one of the best things I ever did for my business uh, because it took so much pressure off me. And I'm all about taking pressure off me. So Gina, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. So we met at James Shremko's conference in Sydney, maybe like three months ago. Sounds about right. End of March, early April, 2019. Yeah. Yeah, And that was a really cool event. Um, Got to meet a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, If you are listening to this and you're uh, actually James Shremko has been on the podcast before. I think he might've been episode three. I'm probably going to ruin that, but um, if you go to agencyhighway.com slash three, yes, it's the right one. Uh, you can listen to Shremko's uh, chat. We talk about working less and making more, the title of his book. So uh, who doesn't want that? I'm actually wearing the hoodie from the event. Um, if You obviously can't see that if you're listening to this on audio, but great event. Definitely recommend. Um, anyway, totally off topic. <laughs> Gina, okay. let's, let's talk about VAs. Uh, hit me with a little bit about like, I guess your backstory and how you got into this space. Yeah. So way back when in 2014, I had finally uh, got honest with myself, I guess, and gave myself permission to look at other career opportunities. I had been in personal finance for about a decade and there are great parts about that industry. I worked uh, real close to home, like less than 10 minutes each way. My husband had quit his job a year prior to become a stay-at-home dad, and so we had these two amazing little children. One was about 10 months old at this time, and the other between two and two and a half, pretty close in age. And, um, you know, I was going into work, and I was doing my job, and I I did really well at it. Um, Part of my role was managing my own client base, and part of it was just being a support person and really running the office when... Uh, The people that I worked with went out of town. Um, They were all family members and kind of adopted me as another family member, which was great. So on paper, everything was amazing. It's just that I wasn't really fulfilled. And I thought about the next 30 years, because I was like 29 at the time. I'm 35 today. And I just uh, threw up a little in my mouth when I was thinking (laughs) about staying in that career and doing the same thing day in, day out. Um, Again, there were great things about it, working with clients, but there were other things that I just didn't dig. And that was jumping through compliance hoops and all the paperwork that was involved rather than doing the things that I loved as far as planning for retirement and analyzing financial situations and helping these clients to achieve their goals. The great thing is, is that what I do now encapsulates a lot of the things that I enjoyed in that role. Um, But my journey has really changed since I started uh, actually offering freelance writing services in May of 2014. So I just started a little bitty side hustle like a lot of people do to test the waters. I was the only income earner for our household, so I couldn't up and quit my job by any um, 
by any accounts. Uh, so I tried to do the safe thing and, and see if this freelance writing for the web was even something that was profitable and scalable. And um, I used HorkyHandbook.com initially just as a place to house my freelance writing samples. So I didn't think about turning it into a brand or um, you know, an authority site, which is now in the, the virtual assistant space. And so the months went on, I was waking up at four o'clock in the morning, working on my business, nursing my baby, and then, you know, showering and getting ready for my day job. And um, I started adding on clients, both in the freelance space, as well as as a virtual assistant. One of my first clients, I offered email management and customer service work. And uh, most of my clients in that space ended up being like tech entrepreneurs, which is pretty cool. Hmm. They were all dudes. I tended to work really well <laughs> with men. Um, and they needed, you know, the woman's touch maybe for the customer service side of things. And so I excelled at that as well and made good money on a part-time basis. And so I was able to actually put in my notice and sell my financial planning practice at the end of 2014 which meant I was full-time, again, as that sole breadwinner within eight months of even looking into it in the first place. Wow. Oh, man. I can't even imagine that whole side hustle plus full-time plus kids. Because, I mean, I've, I did that whole real job plus <laughs> real job in air quotes uh, plus uh, a side hustle. You know, we were building software, uh, you know, and that was weekends and it was night times and stuff. Um, but adding children into that mix, I can't even imagine how hectic that was because <laughs> I still yeah, don't Yeah, not sleeping throughout the whole night, some nights still and all of that good stuff. But, you know, I'm an action taker and I am really good at um, efficiencies, I guess, because I wouldn't have been able to do that if I gave myself all of the hours in which to work. You know, I worked in the early mornings because I'm not a night owl, or at least I wasn't then. I had my most creative and best time in the morning. And that's also when my household was quiet. Oh, so I yeah. took advantage of that for sure. Um, so then at the end of 2014 and going into 2015, I launched my first online courses. The first one was 30 days or less of freelance writing success. And then the second one was the same part of the title with virtual assistant success instead. And since then, we've launched a, a bunch of skills courses. We're about to actually launch one on the agency topic at the end of this month. Um, and teaching is just one of those God-given talents that I've been blessed with. And then uh, I've been told that our courses are like learning from a friend. Um, so no fluff. Nice. Very like conversational that. in nature, definitely action oriented. Just rewinding a little bit there, how did that transition happen? Like from being a freelance writer to teaching it? Like, yeah, give us a little bit there. Yeah. So, actually, my kind of mentor in the space um, said, you know, when are you going to create your first product? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, like an info product, you know, that's one of the ways you can scale your income without having to trade time for money. And so I was like, I don't know, am I qualified to do that? And then I just started in the mornings instead of working on client work, writing a lesson or two. And the very first version was literally 30 lessons that I delivered via email one at a time. And then I hijacked the email service provider to be able to automate them if people wanted to take it sooner. Now they're housed on Thinkific and I have one on Teachable as well. But um, it wasn't an idea I had on my own. But when I look back at, at this whole journey, man, it was a game changer for my business. And, um, you know, I don't have a journalism degree, but I do have 
you know, background, my degrees in psychology. And then I had a whole decade of running a small business myself and, you know, mm. tracking clients. And so I used a lot of what I learned in personal finance to apply to my own freelance business and VA business. And I was very successful in a very short period of time. And so I did have a lot to offer and bring to the table to teach others. Yeah. And I think that's really important for agencies too, you know, like there's a huge, uh, I guess, gathering a following of people around the whole recurring revenue for agencies thing. In fact, I will be speaking at uh, the recurring revenue retreat uh, in Orlando in a few months, which I'm super excited about because, uh, you know, we've done the whole agency thing and built a SaaS product. Um, but there's going to be people speaking who've done similar things to to you where they've actually created like info products and just other supplementary stuff, whether it's become their main business or not, that's another story. Um, but you know, that having that extra level of income that is either just like happens without you needing to constantly chase to get new clients or whatever, um, or just something that can add a little bit to the bottom line uh, can be really helpful, especially if your goal is to scale an agency, having that income coming in, that baseline is just amazing for being able to hire someone, right? Like, and uh, that probably leads into our, one of our first main questions here about like how to hire your first time. Like, how do you know it? Sorry. How do you know when it's the right time to hire your first person? Yeah. Before we get into that, I think the really neat thing about my own journey uh, is that I was actually exposed to the recurring revenue model prior to getting into online business. So that was actually a heavy focus Mm. in the financial planning practice that I worked as a part of. So there's different ways that you're compensated as like a financial advisor. And some of it can be, you know, front end commissions, some of it can be ongoing commissions. And so the practice that I worked a part of, they were um, very focused on recurring revenue. So at the expense of getting paid a lump sum up front, they were more comfortable with spreading it out and having it be something that was year in, year out. And oh, yeah, fairly predictable. And so I was kind of taught that approach early on. And I think that is another reason why I've kind of built the business that I have or how I've been able to. So when it comes to hiring your first person, I can share from personal experience that I took on my first team member, I feel like it was in the fall of 2015. So just a year, maybe 14, 16 months into my own journey. And I wasn't even looking for anybody. This gal was a part of my community. And she um, saw what I was doing as far as building a community on Facebook. And she's like, Gina, you're not going to be able to personally answer all of these people as your community continues to grow. Have you thought about hiring a moderator? And I said, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm open to it. Like, what would that look like? And how much do you charge? And um, she pitched me a, a real nominal fee compared to what somebody might charge today. And we got started working together. And that was a great experience because I had worked as the service provider with clients for so many years. Now I was on the client side of things, which gave me a whole new perspective on, you know, building a business. And her name is Mickey. She's still with me today. She is now our blog manager and has been for some time. Um, So that's kind of a fun part to look back on for others. And again, this is something that I've learned kind of in my previous career as well, because hiring staff is a great way to scale, you need to look at it before you're fully booked or maxed out as far Mm. as your own capacity. That's scary for a lot of people because they feel like if they have 10 or 20% more capacity that they should be spending that getting the clients that are earning them revenue rather than paying somebody to take stuff off of their plate. 
But if you wait until you're already too busy and maybe at, you know, over your max capacity at 120%, then you're not going to have a lot of time to onboard that person, that team member very effectively. <laughs> yep. And so it's actually better to do so earlier and you can do it in a real risk adverse way. So a lot of people have the inaccurate uh, mindset that they would have to hire somebody for 20, 30, or 40 hours a week, which is completely false. You can get started working with somebody a couple hours a week or even a month if you want to. And there's great ways to get started. You want me to expand on that? Yeah, absolutely. Because that was actually what I was going to ask because it sounded like with your story, you kind of got that dip your toe in experience where it was just a moderator at first yeah. and now she's doing all kinds of other stuff. So, you know, she, she's kind of been vetted in a way by doing this smaller task for a long time and end up being a really good team member. Right. And she got to know the community and she got to know the common questions that were asked. Mm. So that knowledge really helped her in increasing her own workload. And for me, her understanding of my business. Um, so it's fun to see her kind of in a, in a different, more elevated role these days because uh, she was really able to use what she learned in the very beginning in order to build off of that experience and be helpful to me in other ways. And I think that that's true of other people as well. So if you take somebody on for even just a one-time project or a few hours per week or month doing some ongoing service for you, you can find out if you like them, if you know them, and trust them. And I think trust is a huge thing for a lot of us. We don't want to just bring anybody in and you know feel like they're going to take advantage of us. And that's the same on the virtual assistant side of things as well. But if you look at you know what you're doing on a daily basis, and it's honestly a great exercise, nobody really wants to do it, but it's a great exercise is to figure out what you do all day long. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was, you literally just reminded me to, because I've been talking about starting to track my time again, and I literally just wrote it in my to-do list as you were saying that. I'm like, damn it, that's right. I was supposed to start tracking my time again to see where it's going. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm even averse to this because I think I'm like a rebel against like those constraints yeah. <laughs> of doing something so productive like that. Um, and people are scared of it because they don't really want to unveil like the time wasters probably or the things that they end up doing that really aren't as efficient towards the growth and scalability of their own businesses. But it's eye opening and you can take a look at the big list of tasks that you perform on a regular basis. And you can question yourself, does this impact the bottom line of my ROI? Mm. Is this something that I enjoy doing? Is this something that has to uniquely be done by me? Or can it be done by somebody else? And then you can really assess, you know, the ways that you make revenue. And James's book is really great for this. So if you want to pick up a copy of uh, Work Less, Make More, he has a whole calculation in there to help you assess your effective hourly rate. Oh, I love that that idea yeah. of EHR. By the way, um, that will be in the show notes at agencyhighway.com slash 54. Um, and I will link up to the Work Less, Make More book. Uh, just FYI, I get mentioned in it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> One kind of a big of deal, this guy. <laughs> One sentence of fame, yeah. <laughs> Internet famous, it's the best kind. Um, <laughs> so anyways, like you got to figure out what it is that you need to do for your business to keep it stable and what it is that you need to grow your business. And if you can focus more on the things that either uniquely need to be done by you, which for a lot of people is 
selling clients on working with them and maybe implementing the real high level tasks that need to be accomplished for that client relationship. Um, you know, you can figure out what other things need to be done and don't need to be done by you. And those are the things that you can get started delegating out. Now, an unsuccessful way to start a working relationship with a brand new team member or virtual assistant is to give them all the things and just expect them to be off to the races. Um, you know, they might be intimidated by you being that you're kind of quote unquote, their boss. And so they might not ask all the questions that are necessary in order to do that. They also might not be able to prioritize effectively the tasks that you need done because you know your business so much better than they do. And honestly, it's just hard when somebody's getting to know your business to also do all of the things without um, the opposite of that would be to give them one thing, have some confirmation they know what they're doing and they can produce good results and then add on another and another and another or hire out additional tasks and services to additional VAs that might be specialized in those roles. That's actually what we do. I would rather have five people working kind of part-time hours as a contractor with me specialized in what they do best than hiring one person and expecting them to be really great at all of them. Yeah. Especially if there's left brain and right brain things. Yeah. And this is a topic that I've been meaning to investigate a bit more actually. So this is really good timing because I've been previously a believer in hiring full time, mostly just cause of some bad experiences I've had in the past where I was trying to give little bits to everybody and it wasn't consistent. Um, I think consistency is really what I was looking for. And I think, you know, so, but if you can give five hours a week to someone, at least they still have that consistency rather than, you know, like, Oh shit, I've got a project I need you to do. Um, once every like three weeks and then, and then after five weeks and then after two weeks, because other people need consistency too. Right. I mean, right. You, you feel free to challenge me on this. Um, no. but I've been big on hiring full time because at least I know that they're not working for other people. Uh, they're devoting their time to us. And, um, I mean the, the key there again is devoting that time to us. So if that's five hours a week, that still works for me. Um, my concern was always just like, I want someone to be there when I, when I send them a message. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I, I rectify that in a few ways. Like one, I'm heavily invested in people and relationships with them. So when we work together, they want to work as a part of our brand and our value system. And, and, you know, they want in and what we're doing because they believe in the mission at the core of it. And then I tend to pay people really well. And I tend to also try and um, not guarantee work, but you know, there's appropriate expectations that are set. If I find somebody that is great at something and they or I unearth another opportunity that they would be good for, I would no doubt give them extra uh, workload and make sure that I'm compensating them accordingly. Um, so I think there's a couple of ways to circumvent that. But when we teach our virtual assistants and how to work with clients, we teach them how to lead the client relationship, uh, which is real helpful to entrepreneurs because if they haven't worked with anybody before, they're not interested in managing people. If they have someone that comes in that can really take that client through the onboarding process and give them next steps and bite-sized chunks and all that good stuff. Um, I think the VA looks very professional, very confident, and it just takes a lot of the pressure off of the client throughout that process. Mm. Um, the other thing that I was going to say, I have to like pause and, uh, so it comes <laughs> back to my brain, hopefully. <laughs> uh, um, I, do, I do that all the time, but, uh, well, yeah. So we also, um, or 
we also recommend that they take control of their client relationship and that they build out SOPs, so standard operating mm. procedures, if the client doesn't have them in place already. And that's going to be based on the instruction and the onboarding from the client on how they do what they do for their business. And oh, this is the VA setting up the SOPs. Yeah. That's Why awesome. Not? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I, like I've heard this um, like a few times now where it's like, why don't people trust their like team members to create the SOPs? Like, why are we treating people like robots and creating SOPs and saying, now follow this exactly, you know? Right. And a lot of entrepreneurs don't want to take the time to create them in the first place. And yeah. so they maybe give some information and then it's like this unspoken thing without anything being written down on how you're supposed to do something. The easiest way that a, an entrepreneur or small business owner can train a virtual assistant it is to honestly do screencasts and then make sure that there's the back and forth communication between them. You know, you can use Slack or email mm. or whatever. And the virtual assistant, if empowered and knowledgeable, can then take that video screencast and they can watch it more than once, which is really helpful on their end. But they can also take that and then document an SOP based on how they do it. And, you know, that can go back in front of the client uh, if needed for kind of an approval or tweaks or whatever. But the cool part about having multiple team members too, and we're doing this a lot more in Horky Handbook's business, is to be able to cross-train. And we can actually get people to cross-train other people um, so that they can take a vacation or if they were mm -hmm. elevated to a different role or if we parted ways for any reason. Um, and that's really helpful because it's already a built-in system and they're almost training in kind of their replacement or the person that can help them in order to free them up to take some time off. I know we've spoken about Tremco way too many times already, but it just reminded me of his Noah's Ark principle where he's got like, he wants two of two of every uh, <laughs> role uh, in the Ark, you know? So if uh, someone does go away, someone's sick or whatever, there is that other person to take over for that mm -hmm. period. Yeah, I mean, you have to plan for um, the inevitable or yeah. just plan for chaos to some extent because your business isn't going to go perfectly and smoothly. And especially when humans are working with other humans, yeah. Um, yeah. there's an opportunity for things to not go correctly every time. So in that case, like how do you, when you get these guys on, like how do you get them on boarded? Like what, how do you, when, cause I'm like, we'll, we'll talk about how to hire someone soon, but, um, let's say we found someone, we're going to bring them on. How do we bring them into our system? Yeah. So, you know, again, we empower our virtual assistants to kind of take charge. So that they're gathering all of the pertinent details, login credentials, all of that good stuff to be able to do their role. But I would start with the one task. Um, some people like to try out a couple people at once and they'll do a test project and they'll mm -hmm. pay both parties to be able to kind of screen and interview them in a real life setting. Um, and then other people will start with a trial period if it's an ongoing service. And so maybe it's two weeks or 30 days or a quarter or something like that. Mm -hmm. So again, I would start with one or two things and then uh, build onto that over time. And then in order to kind of train them in, I think screencasts are just so helpful and you can use Loom for free and it's so easy. Oh yeah. And you don't have to worry about downloading and uploading files because you just share a link and you know when the video has been viewed, which is awesome. <laughs> so then I would ask them to kind of build out SOPs on my behalf. And that is, you know, so you can be sure that they have an understanding of what they've learned, but also so that, you know, you have that handy. Uh, it's an asset now to your business if you were to part ways with somebody. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. 
It's, it's quite is simple. It? Yeah, using screencasts. And I mean, I can totally see that. For some reason, I was expecting a complex answer. But if I think about how I work with uh, uh, my main project manager and, and assistant now, it is just screencasts and it's Loom. You know, I'm just like, oh, okay, like today I need to show her how to... I don't know, do something with like this snapper tool or whatever. Like I'm got this is a graphic design tool that I use, just like a really mm-hmm. simple one. And um all I do is hit record and like line some things up and sort of talk about it. Uh I never thought about just saying, Hey, um now from this video, can you create a process <laughs> and like some guidelines? Cause you know, that's what's been stopping me from creating like actually handing this task over is mm-hmm creating SOP that I don't want to do. So nobody uh, wants to, it's the worst thing ever. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just going to have to say, look, um, this is what I want to be done. Can you create a process from this? This, And then, I mean, obviously you you can review that afterwards and and suggest changes or yeah. I would just have it live in Google Docs so it's an editable file that any party can make changes to. You can track the history of changes that were made very easily by clicking on that. And then, um, you know, if you wanted to, you could add comments for questions and things like that mm. so that you're able to communicate on a living, breathing doc. So you use Google Docs as your SOP storage? Yeah. Like, do you ever set up like templates and stuff in project management systems or use any of those like tools like Process Street? I've tried a fair amount of project management tools. Um, our community is big on Trello. We train using that. But personally, I end up using Google Drive for all the things. So wow. sheets and docs and it's just what works for us and then we communicate as a team on slack wow so there's no like assigning of tasks to somebody in a system that refers them to the google doc it's just saying hey can you go do this and here's the process yep Mm -hmm. because you can upload the link in slack right Mm -hmm. and then you can comment and have a whole conversation there um, right now we're in the process of getting people to kind of write their own job descriptions and then making sure that we have those SOPs fleshed out for each part within the job description to uh, cross train again, just to make everybody feel comfortable with being able to take time off or be mm. able to review the processes. A lot of our team members have worked with us for a long time. So we know that they do it correctly and don't have any issues, but mm. we're automating as much as possible. I was, uh, I've been away a lot this year for my business. So, um, the last four years we've gone down to South Pottery Island, Texas, which is close to it borders Mexico, but it's an Island and it's warm and wonderful. Cause I'm in Minnesota, which is the, the Arctic circle. <laughs> or at least it feels that way. Um, so I spent, we spent seven weeks, including time driving down there and back. And I worked very minimally. And then I came back and, you know, worked for a few weeks or two months or whatever it was, and then went to the conference. And we were gone for like 11 days, uh, because we ended up adding New Zealand to our trip for fun. And then I in like three weeks off in May. And so that's a, a good chunk of time for the oh, first yeah. half of the year. Um, and the three weeks in May was actually unexpected. And I was extremely happy to come back to know that business was actually growing, growing, not stalling. And that, you know, they, my team members were able to pick everything up and run with it. How good is that feeling that stuff's happening when you're not there? I love that. It's amazing. And for the business to, you know, be, month over month and year over year um, growing. And part of that is thanks to James's help because I'm a Silver Circle member. I mean, that feels awesome. 
That means that I can like, cause I'm a serial entrepreneur. I have all of the ideas and <laughs> yeah, we all do. time, right? Yeah. And so a couple other opportunities that are completely outside of the online business niche that I'm actually pursuing. And, and so that's fun and exciting to me. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's funny. You mentioned like the whole, um, serial entrepreneur, all the ideas, uh, because when I was in silver circle, uh, James actually helped me rein in a bit of that and stop doing so many things. And I'm just, I was just thinking, I'm like, Oh man, I'm getting to that point again. I'm doing all the things again. And I'm like mm-hmm. thinking about what else I can add on. Maybe I need to join again and get him to just like whip me back into shape. <laughs> and I think it's okay once you automate something and have that team in place to move on to something else. Um, you know, I would take one thing at a time, but I think that's where us as entrepreneurs end up continuing to be challenged and motivated. Um, and we learn different things. So, you know, not looking into another business opportunity in the online space, but more in not even brick and mortar, but a little bit in-person service type of industry. Mm. Like you can apply and cross apply so many things, marketing techniques, um, you know, everything is Googled on the internet these days. So that's kind of the front line of people interacting with you. And just what I've learned over the last five years, you know, is amazing to me. Like I was, I, barely got up my first WordPress site in 2014. And, you know, I used a free white clean theme and it wasn't anything super pretty to look at, but yep. people could read it. Yeah. So. Yeah. And now like you, you're telling me that like, it's okay to move on when, when uh, you've got teams in place and I'm like, oh, how can I do that? But I'm like, I really don't, I, I'm not at the position with my current business content snare that I want to do that yet. Like I really want my finger on the pulse, but, but I've got this like new software idea in the automation and process space um, that I'm like so hell bent on now. I'm like, I really want this thing. It doesn't exist. Problem is it's super ambitious and probably going to cost like a million dollars to build. So I'm like, Oh gosh, like, can we, how can we like break this down into a small piece that I can like start with? Anyway, totally, totally different topic. But no, I'm I think like, it's great though. Minimum viable product and yeah. treat it as a side hustle. Can you give yourself five hours a week to work on it? Because that's oh, going to build into yeah. something amazing within just a year's time. True. But I've already got a bloody side hustle. I've had um, people uh, have been asking me lately to build an automation course. And that's why I like uh, this whole hiring process is so, uh, I love it so much because between automation and hiring, that's how I've got so much of my time back, right? That's how like so much is happening without me being there. Uh, and so that's likely the next step for me is actually creating a course around how to use Zapier and then maybe something around active campaign. I'm not sure yet, but, um, yeah, Zapier will be awesome. We yeah, use the, that a lot in our business and yeah, our nice. school of VAs would love to learn more about that because it could be so, so much of a help to other entrepreneurs that don't want to dig into it mm. or don't maybe have that technical savviness, um, yeah. but they can make huge changes in their business from implementing yeah. And um, I actually had someone like a pretty prominent person respond to my survey and I was like, whoa, where'd that come from? And his response was all about, um, you know, making sure it's positioned to train people's team on Zapier rather than them learning themselves. And I'm like, yeah, exactly right. Um, That was kind of my plan because all these people want to learn about stuff, but don't want to spend the time learning. It's, you know, if they can give it to their staff and be like, yeah, this will teach you Zapier and then you can fix our business. <laughs> then, if you then, need some beta testers, hit me up. I got plenty. Absolutely. Oh, I better take a note of that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, so the, I guess one of the most critical things of all of this, so is where do we hire? Like, how do we find someone? 
Let's talk. How have you found people in the in the past? Me. Um, So, man, I've been all over the place. Um, I haven't had to hire for a long time because, like you, we've had people with us for a long time, and we've actually downsized quite a bit because we used to do websites and I used to hire people from the Philippines for that. And I used online jobs.ph, which is generally more of a hiring full-time people kind of thing. So I was hiring either full-time WordPress developers um, or like a project manager, um, Bernie. Uh, she might listen to this. <laughs> She's the one that posts all our, um, all our uh, interviews up. But then, you know, I've also done the whole freelancer.com and Upwork thing. Um, we've got a lot of developers that have been with us for a long time that came from freelancer, but I tried that again recently and I didn't really like the experience. I feel like Upwork is kind of okay. Now we found a couple of people recently. So I say we haven't hired, but the other side of my business, it's mostly my business partner, really high-end custom development stuff. Um, we've been hiring a lot of people out of Russia and Ukraine finding them either on um, Upwork or through Facebook groups, actually, of like software developers um, looking in the, in those kind of places. So it's been all over the shop, obviously very hit and miss, um, but like the whole trial period thing has worked well for us or test tasks. We've actually done both of those, where, you know, been like, okay, this person's not going to work and then we try someone else. Um, but we've had to do that process very, very quickly a few times. Um, but yeah, so I do not, have a very good system for finding people. So please enlighten me. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, there are a few ways that I would suggest. And the first one is looking to your own community if you have one. So if you've built up a community based on a blog that you run in your space and your niche, um, or you just, you know, are peer to peer with people in your sphere of influence that you know through your real life or online via doing business with other people and companies, you can start there. So if you have a newsletter list, you could literally send out a newsletter and say, hey, we have an opening for this type of role. If you're interested, you can submit an application here and that would be a type form or a Google form or whatever. Um, and I would ask one question that makes them to do a little uh, research or jump through some sort of a hoop because it's a great way to screen out people that aren't really that serious. Mm. Um, so, for example, maybe ask them to send in a 60-second or 30-second video of them answering three questions. A lot of people like aren't that. comfortable on video. Uh, that's another thing that we train our community as far as when pitching clients. Like, do it on video. Even if you think you suck at it, anything that you do for the first time, you're guaranteed to suck. <laughs> but you just have to pretend you're in a conversation with somebody. And some people will literally have their husband or their wife sit on the other side of the computer screen and have a conversation to practice um, because that's, that's all awesome. it is. Yeah. You're just introducing who you are, letting that client know, hey, I, I know your business because I've done a little bit of research. I understand you're looking for X. This is something I'm confident in my abilities and I'd love to talk to you more. It's not a big deal. But mm. that extra hoop will um, take out all of the people that don't want to do any extra work uh, in order yeah. to present themselves in the best way. So um, some people don't want to work with family or friends, and that's totally understandable. Um, I had an unfortunate experience with that myself, and it's hard because you want to, you know, teach other people and, and help um, others succeed. And sometimes it works out great, and other times not so much. So you yeah. have to have your own personal opinion on that one. <laughs> but people that are in your community that you're not related to or necessarily um, in friends 
friends with in real life uh, could be great because they probably already understand your branding and your business to some extent. And if they're hanging around and opening and reading your newsletters and stuff, there's a good chance that you have some things in common. A second way that you could go is the whole uh, marketplaces, right? So your Upwork, your People Per Hour, your Fiverr, your whatever. There's pros and cons to that. Um, pros being you have a, a wide array of people that you can easily search through. Um, the cons being that, you know, not everybody is uh, skilled and right for you. And you might have to do well, a honest. lot of outreach, right? Yeah. And then also, you know, those platforms want you to work within their platform because that's how they make a profit. And so if you find a good person and it's reoccurring, uh, it's against their terms and conditions to work outside of the platform, mm -hmm. even though a lot of people do. And then it just ends up being kind of um, a resentful experience, at least for one party over the long term, because I think Upwork takes like 30% or something like that. Of Just a hope not. I, I, th I, 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 I think it's 10. I think um, there's two options. If you, you can pay them a monthly fee and I think it drops it, something like that. Okay. Um, yeah. So don't so, quote me on that. You can, you know, do a little Google yeah. search on fees associated with marketplaces like Upwork. Yeah. Um, we don't need to make anybody mad. But um, yeah, so that can be hard. And that's the same if you were to hire somebody through an agency. So there's a lot of virtual assistant agencies that exist mm -hmm. or executive assistants, depends on what you're looking for. And the agency itself um, is the one marketing to clients. So the individual virtual assistant isn't. Um, and when they pair the VA with the client, they're going to take a cut of the profits. And that's how, again, they make their money. And then if you find somebody really good, you have to buy out their contract, which can be quite expensive. Mm. Um, and obviously, the, the VA wants to earn the max amount of money and you want to pay them well so that they're loyal and stick with you. Mm. Um, so that's another option. And um, the people within our community, which would be the fourth option, we have a free service for entrepreneurs and small business owners called the VA Finder. I'm sure you can stick that in the show notes. It's mm -hmm. on And then in our menu bar, it's find a VA. And basically, you fill out a questionnaire that really gets to the point of what it is that you're looking for and how that'll impact your business. And then we take and put that into kind of a lead form uh, and put it in front of our qualified community of virtual assistants. And typically, the people within our community are from North America and Canada, Western Europe, um, Australia, and New Zealand. Uh, there are some outliers there, but it's... Uh, that's the majority of where our audience comes from. So not so much the Philippines or South America or yeah. maybe Russia. And um, so, you know, we have a lot of people in there that have advanced degrees. So their bachelor's or their master's degrees. We have, um, you know, stay at home moms that are just looking for a few hours a week in order to supplement their family income, or maybe nice. they're needing to go back to work after having had small children that are now in school, or maybe they're looking like I was to change careers. So the biggest point to remember within our community like ours is that we're training them to be small business owners, which is a lot different than um, hiring somebody potentially through an agency that is more an employee mindset. Mm. And personally, I like to partner with other small business owners because they know what it takes to run a business and how different things impact businesses, like the bottom line when it comes to expenses and profitability. Um, and they tend to be more in an ownership role over what they do. And I think that can potentially make them more responsible and, mm. um, you know, because what you're looking for in a virtual assistant is dependability, reliability. You're looking for somebody that communicates clearly and that communicates 
um, succinctly and in a good time frame from when you sent something their way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's important to kind of consider those different factors. Yeah, I, I think I can totally see how that would work. Like having the business owner uh, mindset as someone, you know, I, I've kind of always wanted to hire someone who's a little bit entrepreneurial for that reason. I think a lot of people are scared of that because they'll eventually probably lose that person. Um, I've, and, I, and I've seen that, you know, I've seen friends of mine that have hired other entrepreneurs from the same entrepreneur community and it's been an awesome relationship, but eventually they've wanted to go do their own thing. But I don't know, sometimes that's okay. Um, but that, and they, sorry. Oh, the other part about that is I think if you have that mindset going in, that if you could have somebody that helps you to elevate your business for the next two to five years, that would hmm. be a win for you. Oh, it's and an absolute win. If you employ the whole SOP concept and cross training of your team, then you're really not going to be too put out because you'll have those systems and processes in place in order to just continue on. Yeah. And, but like, I just can't even like the, the, of, I think it would be so valuable to have that different kind of mindset anyway. So like, uh, yeah, it's a, a different way of thinking about it that, um, yeah, I'm going to have to uh, eventually I have to reach out to my community. I was just thinking about that. I'm like, I need, when the time comes for content snare support to be outsourced, um, I'm going to do that. I've, I've had a lot of people, like a lot of software people say that like soft, uh, support's the first thing you should outsource in a 100%. software company. I'm going to go ahead and call bullshit on that um, because I love the fact that I get to, I've got a pulse, uh, like finger on the pulse of what people think about the company uh, because, you know, what features people want. I know I can have someone else kind of round this all up, but now I just, like, I don't have to write all this down in a spreadsheet or anything. I just have like a feeling. I know what the sentiment is towards certain features. I know what we have to fix. I know what people are struggling to use. And now I've got this like entire picture that I can roll back into feature and product development, which is my main role, um, sort of talking about what features we need to build. Um, so the support, like I really like the fact that I get that input and I'm kind of scared to lose that. I don't know when I, when I hire someone for support, I'm going to need that to still come through to me somehow. Um, but yeah, that's a problem for future James, I think. I, uh, yeah, future James. <laughs> I held on to that problem for a while, especially because I was doing it for other people. And then I was doing it for my own business. I parted ways with my last client in February of this year. And one of the reasons is that I just liked him so much and the work was ended up being pretty easy because I had been with him for four years and, you know, um, good working relationship. He paid me well and, and it just was a good fit. Um, but eventually in order to design the business that I wanted, I had to let that go and I had to let the customer service go for my own company as well. And I wouldn't have been able to take all that time off this year if I hadn't have done that. Oh God, no. Yeah. And it's very freeing to me because I still do like they'll assign stuff to me. And then every once in a while or over the weekend, if I have some extra time, I'll go in there and poke around because I want to know what's going on too. Mm. Um, and you know, it's just that really it was more of a mental freedom than anything else. Um, some pros to doing your own customer service is what you experienced and what you just talked about. Some cons is that unfortunately there's some not so nice people out there that are hurt and want to hurt others in return. Um, or they're just not normal as far as hearing the word no, oh, no. or not now or whatever the case may be. So for me, um, freeing that stuff up and not even having to deal with it was just a huge relief. And it just allows me to be more effective, not necessarily more productive because effectiveness and a productive, <laughs> yes, 
two different things. Um, but yeah, it just took a whole weight off of my shoulders. And like I oh, said, yeah. I can go in there anytime I want. So yeah, I have no doubt it's actually like a clever thing to do from like a, a business perspective. Um, and I think it won't be long till I get there. But thankfully, I mean, right now there's probably 20 minutes a day of my time needed. Uh, and um, I don't have a lot of dickheads, to be honest. I've had uh, occasionally um, I get someone where I'm just like, what? Like this yeah. guy is like straight up mentally unstable and I don't need this in my life. But um, the last one of those, actually, I, I took a lot of pleasure in turning him around. Like somehow mm-hmm. he, by the end of it, he's like, oh, sorry. Yeah, I think I overreacted. I need to go for a walk. And I was like, and then I didn't hear from him ever again. And I was like, what the hell? Like that was kind of fun. Um, <laughs> but um, to you. That's totally fine. And, and we don't get a lot of dickheads either. It's just that <laughs> one person out of a hundred so you get 99 compliments and one not so nice thing it ruins your day one for me because I'm an emotional person ends up taking away all of the 99. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I will get there eventually. Um, it's just, yeah, I, yeah, the mental headspace is definitely something I'm thinking about as well as the fact that I can't completely switch off from the business. You know, like I, the same thing, like I'll be in a, like I'll be away and I'll be on my computer. Sorry, I said same thing, but I'm actually thinking about a podcast interview I did yesterday. We were talking about Seth Godin and someone walked past apparently Seth Godin that was writing a couple of emails in, you know, some tropical island somewhere. And he was like, oh, the guy sort of said, oh, that's sad. And I was like, is it sad or is it is it cool the fact that, um, you know, I can be here and work other than, you know. Yes. So um, that's kind of me. I'm always, I've always got my laptop when I travel because I'm still doing support and I need to do that. Um, but yeah, I, one day, one day that'll uh, probably be outsourced. A similar experience kind of happened to me when we were down in South Pottery Island earlier this year and I was collecting these beautiful little butterfly seashells and um, some of them, I don't know if you can see in there, but they have just really oh, yeah. nice coloring and nice. it's kind of fun to hunt around for them. And so I was doing that one day and this couple kind of passed me on the beach and then they passed me going the other way. And um, I think at first they were asking me what I was doing and I'm like, Oh, I was just collecting these for my office. And they're like, Oh, it's to remind you of happier days. And I was like, uh, I kept it to myself, but I'm like, no, I mean, like this, <laughs> I'm actually here and able to do some of my work. Like this is part of my lifestyle, you know? And to them, they were thinking, oh, you get one week probably away for the whole entire year to go on a beach vacation. Mm -hmm. And then the rest you're spent in some visible cubicle. And I'm like, that's not how life has to be, man. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people think like that. That's uh, anyway, uh, we've uh, left that uh, time behind us. I hope so. Um, Anyway, I think I think that's a pretty good time to wrap up. I think, uh, is there anything else we need to cover before we wrap up? No, I think, uh, well, I guess one parting word of advice is uh, recently I was part of like a coaching program and they told me to question everything. Hmm. So I think that would be helpful for you. It's helpful for me and it would be helpful to anybody listening is if you automatically have something in mind that the way it has to be done is X, Y, and Z, Take a minute to question why it is that you believe that. Is it something in your upbringing or something that you've been coached to do or in school or whatever? And is it really right? Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think I need to start questioning my idea of that I need to be doing support. I know that I don't need to be doing it. I just kind of like it at this point. But um, all right, let's uh, let's 
finish it up there. Where actually, one one of my questions. I don't know if you saw this in the list or not, but what's your favorite piece of technology right now? Ooh, <laughs> that's a good. I haven't question. actually asked anyone this in a while because um, mostly I just like don't need to ask. But I thought I, I thought I would today. Yeah, I mean, I'm just a, a big Google Tool Suite kind of gal, which mm. is funny. Um, it's all free, which is amazing. And they do a pretty great job at kind of keeping you within their platforms. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Google Google Suite's unbelievable. I actually pay the $10 per user per month option. The, the, that's literally their highest plan, I think. Or maybe yeah. not. I think they have some business plans. But um, that gives you team drives and unlimited storage. That's insane. Unlimited storage. Like I used to be on the $5 one and like I'd be near our limit all the time, and for, especially with the podcast and video stuff. Uh, so I'd like move all of that onto like a network drive that I have sitting next to my computer and putting it on Amazon Glacier and all this stuff. And I'm like, the amount of time I'm losing to save $5 a user a month is insane. So now everything just goes in Google Drive and it's got so much crap in there that I just, it's good. <laughs> I know. And it's easy to organize and like my photos from my phone will back up in there and uh-huh. you know, it's kind of a no brainer. So it's kind of a boring one, but it, we really use a lot of the suite in order to operate our business. And yep. it's nice that it's cloud-based and that we can edit things from different places and different team members can as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I pretty much live in that too. Like you, I use Gmail. A lot of people use other external email clients and I just don't understand why because Gmail is bloody amazing by itself. Um, yeah. Google, everything, run, my life runs through Google Calendar. I mean, I use Trello as my to-do list, um, but like everything else is pretty much on uh, on Google system somehow. People are worried about sharing their data with Google and I'm like, they, my data makes my life easier. So, and then my dog's going crazy. There must be a postman here. Okay, so Gina, thank you so much for joining me. Where can people go to find out a bit more about uh, you and uh, especially the VA finder? That That is exciting. Yeah, we've got a, a pretty clean site that has a well-established menu bar and then footer bar as well, horkyhandbook.com, H-O-R-K-E-Y, handbook.com. Love it. And that will, of course, be linked up at uh, agencyhighway.com slash 54. That will redirect you to the, the full long URL that I don't expect you to remember. Uh, Gina, <laughs> thanks so much for sharing all of this. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on and uh, hope you all have immense success scaling (laughs) your own agencies and solopreneur careers. Hells yeah. So if you have been listening to this, uh, as always, please uh, help us get the word out by leaving a review on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use. Send us a screenshot of the review uh, to support at contentsnare.com and we'll put you in the draw to win a years of Content Snare. Thanks again. and I'll see you in the next episode. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.